Good morning, everyone. Uh, we, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew. I hope you have your Bibles. They're amazing things to have. I feel like at least once a year I get to tell you, like, no, when, uh, when you're gone, nobody's going to fight over your app, your Bible app, but they might fight over your family Bible. So, you know, Bible's are great. That's all I'm saying. It's good. It's like a great technology, this uh, codex. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be. So here's, here's what's happening. Here's where we're at. Um, we've been walking through Matthew, this guy Matthew, I believe Matthew, probably the tax collector, was one of the followers of Jesus, uh, and he's been telling us about this Jesus. Um, as a matter of fact, he's kind of been going on and on so long, I'm, I'm kind of getting ready to hear him finally teach something, <laughs> this Jesus to teach something great. Matthew's just been telling us about him, I want to hear him teach, and so uh, we finally get there uh, today. Um, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is what we're going to be today. Uh, it's, what, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus goes up to this mountain and begins to teach. And uh, Matthew's organized his gospel, what he's given to us, um, where he gives us these five big blocks of Jesus' teaching. And this is the first one. Like, there's these big blocks of teaching. He's, he's clearly intentionally organized this in a certain way. And if you grew up like, uh, in this time and you were Jewish, and you, basically you hear the number five and you think, Pentateuch, you think the first five books of the Bible. Uh, you think about Moses' law, right? There's five books of the Bible. And so he, Matthew's, I think it's pretty obvious that he's intentionally done this. These five big blocks of Jesus' teaching with other things that kind of mixed in there in between. And so this is the first big block of his teaching. And Matthew has given us already a heading for all that Jesus is going to teach and say. Uh, it was in uh, Matthew 4, 17, before, you know, back there. It says, uh, from this time on, Jesus began to preach, right? And this is kind of the heading, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's his kind of message. That's what he's going around talking about, Matthew says, from then on. A lot of people at the time had thoughts about what that meant, right? There's images in their head already. Um, I don't already have an image in my head, but I do have questions, right? Like, I have questions like, um, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent from what? Because Jesus is already at this point, like the guy that came before Jesus, that pointed to Jesus, John, and they, they've been telling all kinds of people to repent from all kinds of things. So repent from what? People headed in different directions. Jesus is like, repent, 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 right? So repent from what? Uh, and um, the answer that we, that we find is that basically repent from anything that's keeping you from God, and all manner of things can keep you from God. And so, uh, repent uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Um, whatever that is, um, what's it like, this kingdom? And, and who can get in? Who's a big deal in this kingdom, right? Um, when and how will it arrive? And what do you mean by at hand, Right? So these are the big things that Jesus, that Jesus has been teaching, and then as we, or as he, the heading under what he's been teaching, and as we move through Matthew, he's basically going to answer all those questions. And so, it concerns heaven, we know that, right? The kingdom of heaven, it's the place Jesus is going to teach really soon, actually, that it's the place where God's will is done. Right? The kingdom of heaven is where God's will is, where his will is done. And so uh, it's also um, in some way a place that we, well no, it's a place that we don't have access to since the fall. We don't have access to this place where God's life, his quality of life, his type of life, his eternal, rich, full life, we, we don't have access to that anymore. And 
And some, somehow what, what Jesus is beginning to teach is that that life, that eternal place where God's realm, wherever he is, however that is, is somehow in some way with Jesus' arrival permeated where we live, where God's will is often not done. Yeah? In our hearts, right? We do our own thing. And so somehow in Jesus, uh, something different is happening. And so that's what we have going on, this teaching about the kingdom. And then Jesus goes about healing and teaching and preaching all over the land and all over this area of Galilee that he's in and bringing this kingdom, a picture of what this kingdom looks like into people's actual lives. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, let's read Matthew. Five, start in verse one. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, all right, let's stop there. Uh, so we have to stop there, because I have to explain the thing. Here's the deal. Um, so he goes about a mountain. That's a pretty normal thing, teaching thing to do. He goes up. I mean, it, there, it does kind of remind you of this guy named Moses, but that's okay. And he, he walks up on the mountain, and, he, and now the people get below, uh, kind of like gather around him at the bottom, lower down the hill, and he would teach, you know? And um, he begins to teach them. And it's important as we get into what Jesus teaches that we understand why Matthew's been going on for four chapters in our Bible, right? Four chapters about who Jesus is. I mean, he's been making extravagant claims about Jesus. Um, his presentation so far has been extraordinary. He has given us this crazy genealogy that says he comes from this kingly line. Uh, he's told us this story about his conception, that it was remarkable that it was the work of the Holy Spirit and not of humans. Uh, it was uh, this amazing thing happened at his baptism where the sky split and a God spoke from heaven. Um, and then he's been going around healing people, doing miracles. He's already, in the first four chapters, been called Messiah. He's uh, been called the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, his name, multiple names have been given him, meaning God saves. He's going to save his people from their sins, is what's been said about him. Uh, it, that uh, God is with us, Emmanuel, he's been called that. He's been called the king of the Jews, the shepherd of Israel. He was the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, the baptizer of fire. God himself has said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, uh, the priceless and deeply loved son, and he's been said that he's the light of the nations. Matthew's made some pretty extravagant claims about this Jesus, and it matters that we know that before we go into his teachings. I'm ready to hear what this guy has to say, but we need to make sure that we understand this. Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. Right? If we make the mistake of just slipping into his teaching and going, Jesus was a great teacher, and it's all he was, and don't listen about who he was and what Matthew said about him, honestly, um, if we reduce him, then we're going we're gonna to miss a lot. Matter of fact, we might actually do some pretty, pretty big harm to ourselves if we miss it. Um, we're not going to be in great shape. Uh, and so he goes through and he starts listing all of these things. Um, and who Jesus is, is the key to what's going to happen in this teaching, this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it doesn't make sense apart from him. So let's start. Matthew 5, 1 and 2 says, I've seen the crowds, went up, teach. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, verse 3, uh, blessed are the, all right, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on. Let's stop right there. Here's the deal. That word blessed, like all of these things, like start with this word blessed. 
And that matters. It matters. It's a big deal. Uh, Jesus is teaching us. Um, this, so this whole section right here, this first 11, 12 verses, is called, uh, often called the Beatitudes. Right? Maybe you've heard that. It comes from the Latin word, um, just from a Latin word that means um, blessed. And so, because uh, there's a series of like blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Um, the modern meaning of blessed has kind of fallen on rough times, right? Like, I don't think we talk about stuff like this. Like, what, how are you doing? Like, what are you doing in your life? And I'm like, I'm, I'm pursuing the blessed life. Like, we don't talk that way, you know? If, do, if people do talk that way, it's in like, it's almost flippant, right? This like, this like hashtag blessed life, right? Like, you like see like a huge fishing boat with like blessed on the backside of it, right? Like, you know, like that's no good, right? That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, I think it's almost talked about now uh, in circles that I've seen um, as almost uh, calling on the word blessed to absolve you of your privilege, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, I know I'm blessed. You know, that kind of deal. And it's like, uh, I'm, and what they mean by that is like, I have a bunch of stuff that I enjoy doing and like, you know, I have stuff, right? And that's not, that's not what's going on here at all. Uh, the word blessed uh, in the way the Bible talks about it, um, there is a, it's a state of being, right? It's about, it's about peace and fullness. It's about it's a place where people would look at your position in life and be envious of how you are in it. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a testament, that's been, I mean, sorry, it's in the Old Testament, it's, I mean, it's a concept that's been around for a while. Uh, matter, matter of fact, the head of the Psalms, the Psalms starts out, Psalm 1, the kind of heading of the book of Psalms, starts out with talking about what it means to live a blessed life. This life where human fullness, where, where, where it's this fully human life. And I love the word flourishing. I think the word beautiful might actually be appropriate, appropriate as well, right? Because you could look at someone uh, that had this, all this amazing stuff and go like, that's amazing stuff, but I don't want to be like them. They're not a good person, right? So it's this, someone would look at you and, 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 and it would be an admirable life that you have and how you live it. A, a, a life where you flourish, human, human potentiality, right? Whatever that is, right? Who you were meant to be is just maximized, yeah? So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, there is a benefit in living a certain way. Anything that you subscribe to, right? Sometimes you don't even know that you're doing it, right? We don't even know that we're doing it. Like, we aren't all just, like, dressed, like, super uniquely, right? We just, like, we've been influenced by things. What we think is attractive and what we think is good, like, we've been influenced by these things. We hear these voices and it kind of shapes us. Um, whatever it is that we have and that we want, even if it's not, like, scripture, everybody has a thing that they value, a direction they're headed. And whatever it is you think that if you would have it, then you would be full, you would be complete, you would be, you'd be whole, and, and life would be amazing, right? That's the promise of everything, right? Um, any way of being, like if you wanted to go be stoic, or if you, it's all like, hey, this is the way that you should live life, this is the way that's enviable to be. For whatever reason, the reward, the fun, whatever it is, there's a, it's all, we're always being sold this picture in the life that we live. And so, for example, the modern way that you're told to live is what? Feel inside who you are and what you are and figure out a way, find a people to go be that thing in the world, right? That's what you're told. That's, that's one of the messages that you're told. You're also told the message that if you drive uh, a, a nice truck, then you'd be happy and fulfilled, right? Or if you had this, or if your family were like this, or if you would just make better sandwiches for your kid at school, like, then your life would be amazing, right? Like, it would be, uh, and you would feel so happy and filled, right? 
Like that's the, if you had better vacations, like you, those, like we're constantly being sold. This is the life that you want, right? And, and the reason we're being sold that is because it's what we, we we want someone to tell us. We want someone to tell us how to be in the world. The message is always that we're constantly being that we're constantly learning is um, this is what you're looking for. And if you were like this, or if you had this, you would be at home, you would be satisfied, you would feel complete in the skin that you were in, the feelings of inadequacy and hurry and not being enough and being pulled apart would go away if you had this, right? That's what we're sold. The problem is, like, currently, it doesn't seem to be working out so great for most people, Right? According to the math, like just rampant loneliness and anxiety and dissatisfaction, right? Happiness is like really not a, it's really not doing great. Falling on hard times lately, which is crazy. But we keep chasing the things that we think will make us happy and they seem to just not over and over again make us happy. And the result seems to be that we just feel tossed about, right? You feel... Like you never have a firm footing or a solid way to live out of this thing, right? You have never had this, this, this way to be sure that I am doing it right, yeah? So that's what we're looking for. Uh, and so you end up in this place of wondering sometimes, is there any hope for me in this life? And so um, that's what this is about. All right, let's read it. Uh, this time I'm really going to go through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. Seeing, uh, he sat them, he sat down, uh, disciples sat down, disciples came to him, opened his mouth, taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Beatitudes, the way to live a blessed life according to Jesus. Um, you see the problem though, right? Right? Like, here's the problem. Um, doesn't seem right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I did not wake up any day this week thinking, you know what I'm going to pursue? Mourning, weeping, poor in spirit, persecution for being righteous. I didn't wake up and go, that's the life I want. I don't know that we're supposed to. I don't think that 
the, re- the reason I don't want these things is because they're not necessarily, look, they're not observations and timeless truths. Jesus isn't looking at life going, let me explain to you what I see when I look around the universe. People who are meek are killing it. Right? You don't think that. You don't look around like at your office or whatever and be like, that person is just kind of mild and meek. They're probably going to be CEO one day. Right? Like you, you don't, we don't think of flourishing. These people as, as flourishing. This person as flourishing. I mean, if these are just observations and timeless truths, um, I think he was wrong. Yeah, I don't think that's it's not. I don't think these are timeless. I don't think these are just observations. I also don't think it's advice on how to live. I don't think it's just like, hey, go be like this and you'll get into heaven. I don't think it's advice on things. Some of these things you're not even supposed to necessarily pursue. Like, you shouldn't go out and try to find persecution. Like, don't do that. Like, I don't think that's what's happening at all. It's not advice on how to live. It's not something to be achieved or earned, right? All those other things are things that we're supposed to go achieve and earn. And Jesus stands up and says all these things that aren't supposed to be achieved or earned. Interesting. Whole different way. Instead, here's what they are. One of the things they are, at least. They're announcements, it's just an announcement. Hey, here's what's going on. An announcement that is called good news, which is crazy. But I mean, just look at the way they're even structured. The first teaching that Matthew gives us from Jesus, right? A religious leader. What would you think the first teaching would be? A list of a bunch of things to do to earn your way in, right? Hey, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, you've got to do this, 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 and this. Let me see your W-2. We're going to make sure you tie 10% and make sure you do seven prayer, prayer, prayer things a week. And like, like you, you would expect this list, and then you will receive all this blessing. And Jesus starts his teaching with the blessing. Jesus, all through Scripture, is the God just seems to work that way. Here is the blessing, and now come obey me into this. I mean, even when he meets, like, Ab- you're all the way back to Abraham. Dude, I'm going to bless you. Leave your family. Do all these things. I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And he just goes and he, he, that's why they admired Abraham. He went and he lived into that. What I mean by lived into that, I want to be very clear about that all of a sudden. I, I said that out loud. I was like, mm, I don't like the way that sounds. What I mean by that is he believed it and he obeyed. The blessings that come from God, they come first. The blessed life is a recognition that God has acted first. You have to start that way. So um, it's structured, and I think it's structured a little bit. I think you can see that just like from a casual reading. Uh, it's pretty well structured. Uh, um, I think they're kind of grouped together. So look at the first four, right? The uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and those who hunger and thirst. Uh, these are people who, this person, is this a person who lacks? Right? I do think it's one person. I don't think there's like all these people. I think it's like one person. This, this is someone who lacks. They, they, they are in need. And then you can see that the next ones kind of go together, right? Um, merciful, pure in heart, and the peacemaker. Those kind of go together, right? And then you kind of end with this like lovely, blessed are the people who like are persecuted, 
stuff, right? So it's the, the suffering at the end, right? But this is an announcement. So let's just, you know, let's walk through them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is not, hey, go try to be Eeyore. You know Eeyore? You when they put Eeyore? He's like, whoa. Like every day is like, this is the worst day ever, no matter what's going on. Like, woe is me. Right? Like, that's not, that's not poor in spirit. Poor in, like, the prince and princess of pity parties is not going to, the kingdom's not theirs. Right? It's not, it's not, like, Jesus is not like, go try to throw, like, field boards. That's not what this is. Uh, poor in spirit is not that. Poor in spirit, the thing that he's called us to is, um, I, you know what it is? It's people who recognize that they're spiritually bankrupt. Not just morally bankrupt, right? But spiritually. Like, I don't have that life in me. I don't have that, that capacity in me to have real, full life. This wholeness of life. That's not inside of me. I've tried over and over and over again. I've pursued all of the different ways of having a good life, and I still, I still feel empty. Right? This poor in spirit are those that recognize the emptiness. Another word that's, another biblical word that's fallen on hard times that I just really think would be so helpful to us uh, is sin. Sin is not just the bad things that we do. Sin is, um, it's our inclination to doing, to elevating our own self. Sin is the idea, I'm gonna live my life my way and do my thing. And nobody can tell me what to do and I'm not gonna apologize for who I am and how I do it. That, like, that way of living, that's what sin is, that natural inclination. Not just the bad things I do, my entire turn of heart of, I've got this, or I'll figure it out, or I can't do anything and I'll just sit here and be sad. The entire pride that focuses on me and my ability or lack of ability is that thing that turns me away from God and that I am spiritually unable no matter what I have or do, to have any kind of real knowledge or satisfaction that I'm whole and complete. I'm always missing. And so we have to have this acknowledgement that there is sin, that there's no spiritual life in me and that I can bring nothing to God. It's Sin is this pride or maybe the foolishness of saying that I want to live my own life my way and I'm not going to answer to anybody. And what it's leading us to, what Jesus is leading us to in this saying the blessed are the poor in spirit is he's leading us to this place where we recognize and that we see that, the Christian, that, the, that life, the life that is lived most fully is a dependent life which is so not what we're told every day, right? The more you can control, the more you can manage, the more you can have, the more that you can do yourself. If I just had a little more power, if I just had a little more money, if I just had a little more influence, or maybe if I had a lot more of those things, then everything would be okay and life would be amazing and everything would be perfect and I would feel whole and complete. If I just had some more or some of that or some of this, and that's the message we're constantly told. At least that's the one I hear constantly. 
And Jesus comes along and says, yeah, really the blessed life, the life that you're looking for is a dependent life. One where you say, you know what? I'm spiritually bankrupt. What do I do about that? We stop striving to fill ourselves up spiritually. The world says, pick yourself up, depend on yourself. It's those who feel their need, who know that they have an absence of spirit, an absence of joy and power and righteousness that the kingdom is open to. If we don't have that, then the kingdom is closed to us. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It still doesn't feel like good news, right? Like you're like, oh, like, like this constant admit, like usually walking around admitting that I'm, that I like, I have nothing and that I'm, uh, no, I don't, I don't want you to walk, like this is not about you moping around being like, I got to summon up how bad a person I am today. No, it's just this simple acknowledgement that you've been chasing and trying all of these years to find this thing that's just out of reach. And you finally going like, maybe it's not out there. Maybe I can't do it. It's good news because when we finally give up and admit that we can't do this ourselves, that we can't find this life, when we finally give up and are dependent, when we finally realize that we don't deserve it and that we can't earn it, It's the only way to ever be able to live life knowing you won't lose it. I mean, a life that says I'm spiritually bankrupt, Uh, here's the situation, imagine this. Imagine you were diagnosed with something, right? You know what it is, but you know it's slowly killing you. And, uh, you go to the doctors and they just poke and they prod and they run tests and they run scans and um, it's just, it's going on for a long time and it's just, you, you, it's killing you. Finally, you, you hear, right? This weird story that there's this doctor out there. Um, they, they, they might be able to help you. Um, the problem is though, is that they're in um, slap out Alabama, Right? She's in, she's, she's in slap out at Alabama. And you're like, you know what? No way. But then you're like, you know what? I'm sick of these guys in lab coats at UAB. We'll go to slap out. Let's, you know, what, what would I have to lose, right? What do I have to lose, right? So you go to slap out Alabama, and it's exactly like you thought. There's deer heads hanging on the wall, right? Or whatever it is they do there. I don't know. Never been. But like you just imagine a small country town, right? There's chickens in there. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure it's a great place. So you, you go there, and, and finally she, she comes in, and she does the normal things, and you're, you just have, you're just, you know, and then she comes back in, and she has this old, dusty book. Her finger on, she's reading, and she has her finger on a thing, and it's just like falling apart, the book, and you're just like, what is this? And she says, this is what you have. Is that good news or bad news? It's good news if there's something that can be done about it. Right? If she gives you good, you finally know the answer. It's good news if something can be done about it. So here's the deal. The fact that I'm spiritually bankrupt, that's terrible news. That doesn't make me feel good. It's only good news if there's a physician who says there's something that can be done about it. And that's what, 
the, the life of Christ is gonna push us towards. You have to come to a place where you look at your life and go, yeah, I, I, I have to stop chasing all of these things to live this full life. And we come to Jesus and we go, what do we do? That's why it's, not a, it's an announcement. Hey, you guys who are spiritually bankrupt, good news, I'm here. It's a proclamation, an announcement of good news. You don't have to search anymore. It's fine. It's okay. As a matter of fact, the only way to even hear what I have to say is if you accept and know you can't do it on your own. Like so many of us, so, okay, so the, okay, it looks like this sometimes, right? Sometimes it looks like, I got this, right? Like, I'm gonna do it myself, and like, oh, and it looks very proud, and like, I think that's what we're, I'm gonna live life on my own terms, and like, right? It looks like, it looks like that sometimes, you know? It can't. Sometimes, sometimes it looks like life's going really hard, but this week, you know, Matthew McConaughey's TikTok's really helping me. Like, you know, like the self-help kind of like thing, like I'm just gonna summon it up inside my, like I'll eventually find the answer of somebody to help me, you know? Um, and sometimes it looks, sometimes we mistake what's happened in our life. You know what sometimes keeps us, a lot of times what keeps us away, especially if you grew up in church, keeps us from, we just can't empty the bank account. We can't recognize the bank account is empty. We keep wanting to drag all the stuff that we did forward and go, I don't understand. I did all these things. I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I I didn't have sex before marriage, I did all of these things. And then life doesn't go perfect, and we go, I don't understand. Look at my bank account full of this stuff. Why didn't it happen? And Jesus is like, dude, like, no, like, stop with all that. Like, I just need you to admit, and we, like, life happens, and we don't think, we stumble and we fall, and we think the, the bank account's empty now, but we're still really trading off of all of the things that we think we deserve. It's just so sneaky. It's so sneaky. I remember the worst moment in my life, the worst moment in my life, the thing that happened, like, thing, I got the worst news I've ever had in my, my entire life, and the first thing I thought was like, what else do I have to do with you? What, what else do I have to do for you? You know why? Because I thought I had this huge bank account of spiritual stuff. I wasn't poor in spirit, I was pretty proud in spirit. And we don't even know we're doing it. The kingdom of heaven is so close to us, because we're too busy going, but I have all this stuff. Why aren't you doing anything? So bad things happen and we're just derailed. The poor in spirit live this blessed life because they don't have any entitlement at all. Bad things happen and instead of going, why me? They go, why not me? What did I deserve? I'm a sinner that doesn't deserve anything. Like why? Like why not me? And they just plow right through that wave. Good things happen and they're not like, I deserved it. They're just thrilled and grateful, right? This poor in spirit is a blessed way to live because Jesus has done something about it. So often what is keeping us out of the kingdom, or the kingdom is not accessible to so many of us because we refuse to acknowledge our absolute spiritual poverty. We keep thinking we can do it ourselves. 
Instead, the people who are spiritually, <laughs> who acknowledge their spiritual poverty are out there living grateful lives because they don't feel entitled. They're out there not afraid because they trust. And every year we grow more and more in trusting in Jesus and more and more dependent on him and more and more just thrilled at our empty spiritual bank account because he is, has so filled our lives. No, I don't have any money. I'm with him. I don't have any spiritual worth. I'm with him. That's what this is going to go on and fill out in his whole life. So here's the deal. How do you get there, right? How do you get to this, this place? Um, there's a few ways, right? I think primarily you, you look at God, right? Who he is and what he said and what he's done. You look at him and you look at the beauty of what he said and what he's promised and you just focus on him and you sing songs about him and you're around people. Like if you're just in that world and you look at him constantly, you realize so much how great he is, how high, the Psalms today is so perfect, how high his love is, right? You look at that to fear him and, and you meditate on him and you sing songs about him and you are around people who want to talk about him and you see how great his love is for you and you just finally just you you slowly just start looking around going like man I thought my bank accounts were full and they were empty compared to this God you get there by looking at God sometimes you get there by looking at you right right that's possible I don't recommend that way because like like you look at you and you're like yeah you know what a careful assessment of myself is it's not going great, you know? And so you, you but the problem with that is it might just turn you to the next, the next thing and not to God, right? So, you, so like that's a thing though, right? And another way that it happens is sometimes your life just falls apart, right? Your life just falls apart, you hit rock bottom, and that, then we find God. He empties our imaginary bank accounts for us and just makes it really clear. You, you had nothing in the first place, and we hit rock bottom. Sometimes though, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit slowly works in our, our lives as we just, you know, live the Christian life as we, as we around, and he slowly recognizes, you slowly begin to recognize, yeah, I don't deserve that, I don't deserve that, and you feel so, even though you, rec- the second we acknowledge our spiritual poverty, you begin to feel so much richer the, because of who Jesus is. The reason the poor in spirit are blessed, you can look at that life and go, that is admirable, that is amazing, is because they have access to the kingdom of God, not one day when they die right now. They just live life knowing that they have the riches of Christ that nothing can take that away. They, they, live, they live like they live like there's a deeper reality out there that no matter what happens in this one will still remain true and that nothing that matters can ever, ever be taken away from them. That it's held secure for them no matter what they do or what's done to them. That's how the spiritually poor live. And so it's so counterintuitive, it's so backwards, it's so upside down in a world that says if you just had a little more and a little more control, if you just had this, if you just had that, you'd be there. Jesus is like, bankrupt is the only way in. Otherwise, you're not gonna hear. See, our pride, whatever that, however that pride manifests itself, right? That control, that, that me, 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 everybody else is wrong, me, 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 that pride, it, it, we're never gonna be elevated. We'll never be able to hear this message because, look, God doesn't elevate the proud. You know why? They wouldn't even notice if he did. They would just think, yeah, I deserve this. I've earned all this. He elevates those who are empty and says, you are a child of the king because you're not trying to do it on your own, which only gets you this high. I'll take you all the way to heaven. This is what we do. 
the end of his life, that crazy German monk I was telling you about last week, Luther, uh, he comes in and he had scribbled on a scrap of paper, we are all beggars, this is true, and died. There's a richness in admitting that we are just beggars. This is what I want for you. I want for you, my prayer for you is, and for me, is that you come to the end of yourself. I hope the Holy Spirit leads you there gently and you recognize it. In this moment, you're like, I know that I need help. All these things are weighing me down. I hope the Holy Spirit does it in your heart gently. If he doesn't, and, or if you refuse to listen, I hope he takes everything away from you so you turn to him. Everything you depend on. You know why? Because it's a terrible thing to pray for me. No, it's not. I want you to have access to the kingdom, the beautiful, beautiful goodness of the kingdom. I want you to know the joy of being a beggar spiritually. I want you to be able to come to him with empty hands. All right, eight more to go. No, I'm kidding. We're, uh, we're going to done there uh, for today. Um, I want that for you. I want you to know the power and love of a God that has pursued us who are empty, and I want you to be able to hear that from his heart. That wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, the most important thing about you is there's a God who has loved you and pursued you. The only thing so, that keeps so many of us away is that we refuse to come with empty hands. I know it seems counterintuitive. That's why Jesus calls it later in his ministry. He calls it dying. Because <laughs> it feels like dying. You want me to just let go? Yeah, I want you to let go and trust. I want you to trust that he can make you, the one who made you, can deeply fill you. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom to live this way, courage to follow, courage to courage to trust, right? To look at what you've done and what you were like and just trust. You've done this before. This is what you were like. I trust you. It's what I want for myself to fall more and more in love with Jesus, to more deeply trust. It's what I want for this church as a group and as individuals to stop striving, to stop reaching, to stop believing the lie that the thing that we need is just out of reach. I think that inside of us is planted eternity, right? Inside each of us is this, this, this somehow remembrance, Right? of what it means to be in the garden? Or at least this, we recognize our lack and we keep trying to find it here. God, give us vision to seek heaven and probably get earth thrown in and to stop pursuing earth because we will get neither heaven nor earth. Give us that strength. Give us that courage. Give us that vision of the beautiful life that we find in you. This is the life that we're looking for. I know it doesn't seem counterintuitive, but show us the way that we've been pursuing is no good, that this is the way to just surrender and hear what you would have for us. And we'd be in awe of what you provided in the life that you lived, the death you died, and what you've prepared for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.